You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. What if there was a way to level up your energy, get rid of stress, and take more control of your body? Welcome to Quantum Upgrade. This is a new technology that taps into quantum energy to help you feel amazing. Quantum Upgrade has a lot of different products that help protect you from EMF and help activate your body's natural healing abilities. You can expect better sleep, more resilience, less stress, and better blood flow. The cool thing about Quantum Upgrade is that the products are backed by a lot of heavy-duty scientific studies, and there's a new measurable upgrade. You can now use Quantum Upgrade to increase your consciousness levels between 1,400 and 2,200 on the Hawkins map of consciousness. If you don't know what that means, do some research because it's impressive, it's fun to learn about, and it's something that I've come to understand. Ready to try Quantum Upgrade? Visit quantumupgrade.io slash Dave for a seven-day free trial. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. Hey, everyone. It's Dave Asprey with Bulletproof Radio. Today's cool fact of the day is that Spider dragline silk is really, really strong and flexible, but it's just about impossible to mass produce with spiders, mostly because they want to eat flies. You eat a lot of flies. It's just kind of messy. So researchers solved the problem by inserting the silk gene from spiders into goats. And those special dairy goats make milk that has long strands of spider silk, which they then harvest from the milk, and they can get huge amounts of spider silk that way. Um, the goats have eight legs, which means they're more delicious as well. At least that's what I hear. Okay. The eight legs isn't true, but the rest of it, yeah, that's a cool fact of the day. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. Today's guest is Dr. Ibrahim Karim, who's founder of the Science of Biogeometry and one of the Bulletproof followers on Facebook uh, reached out and said, hey, Dave, you need to check this guy out. And I'm not sure that I understand everything about biogeometry, although I, I read a book on it. <laughs> so I wanted to go straight to the inventor himself and learn something about how geometry can affect 
the energy in the air around us, specifically electromagnetic frequencies, as well as other things. Uh, we, we all know that uh, things like a, a well-designed room can just kind of feel different when you walk in there. And maybe there's a little bit more science to it than that. And we've probably all heard about feng shui and things like that. So this is going a little bit more technical because uh, Dr. Karim is a graduate of the Federal Institute of Technology in Switzerland. And he's basically working with industrial design and architecture to make spaces that affect how we feel and perform and even how things grow. And he's been man of the year in the Swiss magazine and Zieger, which I probably pronounce really, really poorly. And he actually is based in Egypt. So he's coming on Bulletproof Radio live from Cairo. Uh, Dr. Karim, thank you for coming on Bulletproof Radio today. Well, thank you, Dave, for having So let's talk about biogeometry. Did I define it relatively well? What is biogeometry and what do you do with it? Basically, tell me the story. Well, first thing, there are many forms of free energy that we have around us. Now, geometrical shapes are one of the things that can actually produce free energy. And not free energy like the way we're used to to understand, like using the energy from the wind to produce electricity or things like, like that. No, free energy here is an actual multidimensional form of energy. That means it has all the attributes of life. It's a living energy that you can harness and you can produce through geometrical shapes. So we can make actually geometrical shapes that emit a free energy. So we can use this energy uh, to raise the immunity of living systems. We can use it to, uh, to harmonize uh, uh, an area. I mean, when I mean harmonize, that means harmonizing the living systems within that area. So it's a design language, actually, what we have in biogeometry, uh, based on a physics of quality. And it's, it produces a certain energy quality. Let's say we use qualities as uh, mainstream science uses quantities, you see. So by meaning qualities here, you know, science uh, defines energy as the ability to produce an effect. And an effect needs somebody to be affected. So we built a physics of quality where the human energy system is the measuring uh, device of everything, you see. So we measure everything on the balance of the human energy system. So that's the basic uh, paradigm of uh, biogeometry. So if I, if I sort of uh, translate and simplify that a little bit, you're looking at a quantitative measure of what's happening in the human body and seeing what the environment around you does to that? Well, we look at the human body uh, on the energetic level. On the energetic level, meaning on the vitality, emotional and mental and higher levels, uh, as an open energy system. How do meaning, you how do you measure that? Like, like how do you know well, if someone's you, vital or you know, not? Well, first of all, Vitality is not in the body. Vitality is how the body exchanges energy with its environment. For example, the air exists around you. You take it inside you. It's in a collective state. You take it, it becomes 
becomes individual state and then it goes out again in in the surrounding. So if you are an open energy system, the quality of air outside affects the quality of air in you and then you affect it. So on all levels, vitality, emotional and mental, you're an open energy system. And by geometry comes in and harmonizes the energy exchange between the human system and the environment. It puts a certain harmony into the system that means uh, you can, it puts a certain uh, energy quality that restores balance to all the energetic interactions in the body. And this is uh, very simple. This energy quality is the same energy quality that you find in sacred power spots. You know, I'm an architect, and in architecture, we studied history of temples and monuments and all that. One day I asked myself, is it the building or is it the area? It is the special energy of the area of the building. And so we developed the physics of quality to study the qualities of those areas. We found out that sacred passports all over the world had a very uh, special harmonizing energy. We devised a geometrical language to reproduce that energy and amplify it a thousand times. Once we amplified it a thousand times, we had an energy quality that could balance anything. And that is the cornerstone of biogeometry. We, for example, in Canada, we raise chicken without antibiotics, without chemicals, without everything. We can raise, uh, I mean, we raise cows we, uh, by reducing the leukocytes in their milk and things like that. I mean, there's no limit to what we can do. We've done whole uh, towns in uh, Switzerland where we protected the residents from uh, uh, electromagnetic radiation in the area, and uh, 60% of health symptoms disappeared. And uh, I mean, we uh, we restored even the quality of uh, uh, of the, the environment. Let's say, migrating birds came back, the animals, uh, wild animals came back to the forests. People became healthier psychology of the people, people came friendlier, violence uh, was reduced, and, and it really changes the whole community. So um, I've, I've had the opportunity to go to several you know, sac- sacred places. You know, Sedona is considered a power spot, and Mount Kailash in western Tibet, so some other, other places like that. And, and the places do feel different. It, it's a very subjective thing. Like it, it feels different to me in one way and someone else might go there and it, it feels very different. And, uh, maybe we're all using different words to describe the same general feeling. Maybe we experience it differently. But you've gone and you've studied these to make that reproducible. Do you have a, a mechanism in, in your studies to understand what, uh, what the effect of space has on a specific person? Or are you sort of going in and saying, what's the effect on me? And, and then you're sort of doing it with your own no, nervous no. system? Like, how does this work? No, like, we, we, I'm really interested. You see, when, when I say the human being is the device on which we do measurements, so first of all, if I, let's say, come in and do some work on your space, I'll get by feedback devices, get a complete analysis. I get an independent uh, uh, institute or something. They give me a complete uh, assessment of your energy system, of your organ functions and everything. And then I would sometimes... I could just place one item because we have many ways of uh, putting harmony in the space. I could place one item there and then ask them to come and do the assessment again on your body. 
And uh, I can tell you things, I mean, that we've seen from those assessments. We've been in a recent doctor's degree uh, thesis at university. We've been able to use a decorative pattern to raise the serotonin level in the brain better than the best drug found on the market. We got high, higher results than, than those just by putting uh, a decorative pattern on the wall, you see. So <laughs> uh, we can do things like that. We can, uh, uh, people who are, uh, for, for example, epileptics, you, you could, the medallion you have in front of you, if, if you find an epileptic, let them make an EEG, put it in his hand, and the EEG will change instantaneously. You'll find a different pattern on the EEG. Uh, you see, take you, it off again, I think, like he did have you, before. Have you done like a double-blind study on that, where you put a, a medallion with you know the alphabet on it, and, and it doesn't make yeah. the change? Like, have you sorted no, out we'll, placebo we'll on these things? No, you, you know, I'm a university professor, yeah. so all the work I do, is most of my research is part of postgraduate uh, research, like uh, uh, masters and doctor's degrees. So we always give independent labs at the university. I mean, a placebo effect. I'll tell you a nice story about the placebo effect. When I uh, did the area of Hamburg, and the migrating uh, birds came back, there was so much, such a big change in the health of people, and animals, and things like that. They called that the miracle of Hamburg. And there was a book actually that came out called The Miracle of Hamburg. So some psychologists came and said, that's a sort of a mass hypnosis effect or, or, or a placebo effect or, or on a large scale, you know. They thought, okay, this guy, is a, he has his doctor's degree from Switzerland, from our university, but the fact that he comes from Egypt, it could be one of those pharaonic master magicians, you know, coming <laughs> and just... Uh, uh, producing his miracles in Switzerland and hiding behind the science. So the, one of the professors was saying this could be the man himself doing all that and, uh, and not really his science. So a simple lady stood up and told him, uh, sir, do you think that the cows in Hamburg speak Arabic? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that, that's a fair yeah. point. You you could be the cow whisperer and no one knows it, right? But yeah, uh, because if animals, birds, and plants and all that are responding, there, uh, there is there's no placebo effect with animals and birds and uh, things like that. There is a valid question though, and, and this is something that that drives me nuts in in Western medicine is in any sort of test you have, yeah. um, something you're testing, a mechanism, right, a, a modality of healing. You have a patient yeah. with a documented condition, and then this other variable is the healer, the physician, the, the yeah. person. So we like to pretend like the healer is not a part of the system, but it, the person is. So when you're looking at whether, say, acupuncture works, the training and skill of the acupuncturist is a really important variable in the outcome there. And there are lots of studies that show something like acupuncture can work, even though 20 years ago, everyone who would use that would clearly be a witch doctor and they would... It was all placebo and it didn't work, but now, oh, it actually does work and we can actually see the meridians now that we have good detectors. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of looking at systems, looking at effects, even if we have no idea why the effects are. If you at least look for effects that shouldn't be, 
see if they're happening and then backfill. Like that's where science comes from. But there's a, a very big push um, in some circles in the West to say that didn't happen because it can't. Whereas the scientific approach yeah. would be to say, what the heck? That I, I don't believe that should have been able to happen. Let's verify that it happened. And if it did, then we need to question our assumptions. And then we actually learn something. So your work is interesting because what you're doing is you're saying, okay, what's the effect on biological systems like agricultural production or on human well-being? However, it is you're measuring that with, with uh, biosensors. And I'd love to get into that some more if, if we have time, like specifically what, what you're looking at. But, okay, so you're saying we can do something, even if the something makes no sense, if it reliably produces results, then we need to figure out how and why it might make sense. And if, I, and if I've interpreted your book right now, I did have a hard time getting all of it, to be honest. Um, if I interpret that right, it, it, is this a summary of kind of how you arrived at this, looking at, at okay, what are the things I can do with different environments that re reliably reproduce this feeling and then this, this vitality in animals and people? Am I, am I on the right Kind of the right no, direction. You know, yeah, you're in the right direction. You know, many people who ask me, for example, in Switzerland, when the government invited me over uh, to, to come and do uh, their areas where the people were revolting and they were uh, going to dynamite the uh, cell towers and things like that. So the government asked me to go and uh, do the work there. But there was one thing. The, the cause and effect, you know, the people are saying, if you do not remove the cause of the harm, you cannot uh, reduce the harm. So you have to remove it. So if you bring somebody from Egypt and tell us that he is going to change the effect without removing the cause, that is not logic, you know. So but the government told them, well, that's precisely why we got this person, because he can do that. And then they asked me, uh, please explain your science, explain the mechanism and all that. My answer was, can you solve the problem with mainstream science? If you can, then solve it. I don't have time to lose. Go and solve it. But obviously you can't, otherwise you wouldn't have invited me. Now, just ask me one thing. Ask me to solve your problem. And if I solve your problem successfully, then ask me, about biogeometry. If I can't solve it, there's no need to ask in first place, you see. So the whole thing is, ask me, can you do it? I'm a person who provides solutions, you see. If you are not feeling okay, you have a problem, Dave, and you tell me, Ibrahim, I have this problem. You don't care about my explanations, you don't care about anything. All you care about is seeing your problem go away. If your problem goes away, then, you, okay, you want to ask me, then my jump is interesting. If it doesn't go away, no need to ask me at all. So this is how I like to, to work. I like to show people. In Canada, when, when I came and said, okay, I can produce chicken without antibiotics. I can even remove the anticocidial vaccination they take in the beginning and uh, no hormones, nothing at all. You're going to take away any old chemicals from that. And then they said, the first thing they said, that is impossible. So I said, well, give me a trial period and I'll show you how much time do you want. They say, okay, can you do it for uh, three months? I said, I can. I did it for three months. They said, oh, that's fantastic. Can you extend for another three months? 
I extend this for another three months. Until I kept going for a year and a year and a half, and people said, I mean, things are getting better all the time. So at the end, they chose biogeometry over all other systems in the world uh, in order for their production after that. And then we signed the commercial contract, you see. Where, so you have was, to What country show. was this? Or where was this? It's in Canada, in Quebec. In Quebec, okay. Because cool. I, I, live, I live in Montreal, you know. Okay. So my work was in, uh, in Alma, six hours north of Montreal. That's where I was caught in the snowstorm last time. Uh, last time we tried to talk, the, the snowstorm blocked yeah, us, well, that's right. I, yeah, at the chicken. I was in the chicken farms at that time. So, so uh, how many chicken are at the chicken farm that's using biogeometry? Is this ten thousand or hundred thousand kind of bird operation? Well, each each farm has about uh, I think I'm not sure, but uh, each farm has about fifty or sixty thousand. Okay, so reasonable and, size. Yeah, and and we're doing uh, now about nine farms, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's quite a big size, yeah. Okay, so, so they're seeing a difference. And, and one thing that I've learned uh, a lot about, I, I just had Moldy, my documentary just came out, and a lot of my research that went into making Bulletproof Coffee without mold toxins in it came from agricultural research about mold in food because animal farmers know when their animals are dying because they can't make money. <laughs> they have, how much does a solution cost and does it work? Yeah. Because either the animals can reproduce or they, they put on weight or they don't. And it, it's very quantitative. So they pay attention to things that we really don't measure well in humans because well, we're all random and we eat whatever we want. But when you're a chicken, you pretty much eat what they put in front of you. So you've you've identified a way to reduce some risks, and the farmers are seeing uh, are seeing an economic impact, or they would not likely be doing this. But okay, what did you do to these chickens, or what did you do to their environment uh, specifically? Like, did you put pyramids in there? Did you? hang moons from the ceiling, like, like just kind of paint a picture for me yeah, of the I, changes you made. <laughs> we, we have uh, little strips that we put on the electrical cables okay. so, so, that, so that we put some harmonizing energy on the electrical fields, and then the electrical uh, field becomes actually, uh, gets a healing effect on the, uh, on the animals and not the opposite. And then we come on the water pipes, and we have other strips that we put on the water pipes, so because the water pipes, the movement of water in the metal pipe produces electromagnetic fields. So we put something there too, and we charge the water, so the water becomes like the healing waters of sacred power spots. It gets that same quality, and the chicken are given that water. Then we go into the farm itself, and we place geometrical shapes there, a few geometrical shapes around that are emitting energy at the chicken. And that's all. I mean, that's all there is to it. Now, these are, the, these are metal, not plexiglass, right? Is that, does it matter what the material is for the, the shapes that you're using? What, uh, what I used uh, in the beginning, in the first projects uh, I did in Switzerland, I used wooden shapes. But okay. then in winter, the wood <laughs> would change shape, you know. So we used plexiglass after that. So uh, plexiglass is good because uh, metal could actually magnetize, you know, from a lot of electromagnetic radiation. And some people, you know, we work uh, a lot on uh, aircrafts. Because aircrafts, you know, if you sit in an airplane, there's a huge amount of electromagnetic radiation inside the aircraft. And when we put our strips and our things in the cables under the cladding, you know, of the wall and all that, they don't want any metal objects. You know, that's one of the things, because they're not sure what... Metal objects could interfere with the instruments, you know, if they 
they're put on the cables. So they ask us always to, to put non-metallic objects to you. So, so we use plexiglass usually, or sometimes wood. And the important thing, the, the strips that you're using in these farms, it's not that these are, are these don't have chips on them. They don't. That they're not attenuating the signal using a magnetic field. These these have like like drawings oh. on them, basically. If I'm, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, we use different things. One of the things we use in those strips is the quality of numbers. You know, if you have a water current and you put one stone in there, you're going to have a certain shape of turbulence. If you have two, you get a completely different shape. You put three, you put different shapes. So we look at numbers as quality generating uh, methods, you know. So every number actually interacts with the surrounding energy and produces certain energy quality. So those little strips that we have, they have certain angles at the tips, and in the middle they have just like little teeth like that in the number we need. So you might find that for us to solve a certain problem, you need a certain number. How, so we how have a strip you know with that, that number. number. Like, like what, what tells you the number? That's... No, we, teach, we teach all those things. You, you know, uh, I'll tell you... Uh, some lots of interesting about numbers. In my book that you have, mm -hmm. you have the appendix, an overview of the biogeometry design language. Yeah. Now, in this design language, you will find that we use so many different things. Numbers are one of them. Now, if you study that, we give lots of courses all over the United States and Canada and all over the world. So, if, once you study that, if you let, let's say go in, in a theater and you have the seats there. A row, let's say, has so many seats. So the row, because of the number of seats, has a certain energy quality. Now your seat has a number within that number, so each seat will have a different energy quality than the other seat. And you can actually find the seat that will correct the energy of a certain organ in your body and just sit on it, and it will have a healing effect on your body, although it's just a normal theater seat, you know. And that's by really understanding the quality uh, or how numbers can affect you. And you would measure that effect on the organ system using some sort of biofeedback gear? I, I meditate, uh, you know, I have lots of bodily awareness. I've been trained in Chinese energetic medicine and I've been to like shamanic training weekends and things like that. So I, I'm open to this stuff, but I can tell you, I've never felt a difference from choosing one seat versus another in a theater. And I'm probably at the end of the spectrum of aware people um, like so, how? Like, tell me a little bit more about how we measure this. I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that. Not, not that I believe that you're trying to tell no, me no, it's not true. I, just, I don't get it. <laughs> measurement is easy. First, you choose your way of assessing uh, the body functions. You want okay. to assess the energetic functions of the body. Now, one way that we, one thing we use a lot, is since you're speaking about Chinese medicine, we use the Chinese pulse system, okay. the 12 pulse system. Now, usually in many of my courses, I have some Chinese doctors, friends of mine, who are there, and I put them on the stage beside me, and every time I want to show something, let's say an effect of numbers, I would ask uh, the Chinese doctor to diagnose a person, and the person would come up, and then he would tell me, let's say, I see a problem in the liver there. So I say, okay, and now we take the person opens his hand and I can get uh, some matches, let's say. I put one match, two matches, three matches, and so on. 
utilize is the number of the hands, and the doctor says, hey, the liver is all right. So we look at the number of matches. That means, if let's say it's number four. I just take away the matches from his hand, take my pen, put four dots on his hand, and then the organ is adjusted, you see. So I can use Chinese medicine, I can use biofeedback devices, uh, or you, you can use kinesiology, muscle testing. That's another thing you can use. We also have uh, a system of what we call, uh, based on universal harmonics, you know, like the uh, resonance between musical strings. So we use pendulums, not in a dowsing fashion, but we use pendulums as part of a harmonic system. Let's say wavelength, the wavelength of something and the resonance between things, so we can adjust the wavelength of the pendulum. And actually, this is one of the systems that we can use when we work on sites straight away. So we have special pendulums that can be calibrated with certain dials, certain adjustments to measure certain things, you know. That's another thing we use. But at the end, we use so many devices. At the end, the assessment is always through mainstream uh, science because that's, at the end, what you want to see. For example, if I do some arrangements in, in your uh, house now, at the end, you want to see next time when you go and do your blood tests, you want to see a difference there, see? Everything, until we reach the tests, whatever alternative system we use, will be very good for you. You'll, you, you'll like it and all that, but you'll always say, okay, let me see at the end what my doctor says when he sees the test. So we go through from very simple energetic means of assessment up to ultimately the end. We have, let's say, a middle phase where we use some biofeedback devices and things like that to show the effects when we make lectures and things like that. And then the final result is lab testing. Actually, the person goes to his doctor and makes his testing. So, so we go through, uh, you know, all the testing because uh, fortunately, I have at my disposal uh, all the university labs and things like that. I'm not an acting professor anymore. I'm too old for that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do just, I supervise now just postgraduate uh, thesis. But in every thesis, I have this new paradigm, you know. I'm actually an architecture and design professor. So let's say we design a chair. Now, you design the chair... I expect that an independent uh, testing is done on a personal chair to see an improvement on all his organ functions, all his biological organ functions. And then it was strange in the beginning, about 20 years ago, the university used to ask me, uh, you know, they used to tell me, Professor, are you crazy? I mean, you don't evaluate art every time you make a certain design, you're asking us to bring some doctors and some labs to evaluate it for you. You evaluate things by beauty. Just, I mean, can't you look at the proportions and all that and, and give your assessment just by, you have enough experience to do that. I said, no, that's, by jumps is not like that. Now we have a new way of evaluating all arts. We evaluate any work of art 
from architecture to the smallest work of art by the harmonizing level it produces on the human energy system. That's the way to evaluate art. That's because you're supposed to change, uh, let's say, the society. You're supposed to change people to the better. And that's how we look at biogeometry. And uh, when I see you, I'm sure we're going to do work uh, together between biogeometry and bulletproof coffee because we have the same goals, you know. The, the goal of biohacking, this thing that I've, I've popularized and, and probably pioneered is a fair word, uh, is, a, is the art of changing the environment around you and inside of you so that your body will do what you want it to do. And there's many small changes you can make in food and in air and in the environment around you. And um, I will admit in the first Bulletproof coffee shop that's opening, which is a physical space, the design is really important. So we iterated a lot. I, I'm not trained in biogeometry, but I can tell you when you walk into a space or when you read some words on a screen, either they annoy your nervous system and they have no effect or they have an effect that makes you feel good. And I don't have a, a hard quantitative way of doing that other than heart rate variability, which is subject to interference from other things. So you walk through a, a bad EMF field, it may, affect you, it may affect you in a negative way, even though the change you made to the environment is a positive thing. But so end of the day, I want spaces and words and radio shows and everything else that make people feel good and perform well and, and basically are, are more useful there are much bigger things we can do if we acknowledge, for instance, that Wi-Fi has a biological impact, and it just does. Like, <laughs> There's plenty of evidence for that. You have to selectively ignore a lot of studies if you want to still make the case that there's no effect. Well, we work on that a lot, yeah. Yeah, you do. And, and if we acknowledge the problem, then we go to the next step. Okay, how do you take this incredibly useful technology and make it useful for the human body, right? And, and potentially the technology that you work with um, if, if we can show some more about how what its mechanisms of action are, make it more repeatable, more teachable, and then incorporate it so that every Wi-Fi thing that comes out has that or changes in the waveform that we're using so that it's more friendly to biology. All those kinds of changes, we owe that to ourselves as a species that's capable of changing the environment around us in a really radical way, which is why I'm interested. That's why you're on Bulletproof Radio because you're studying that same thing. Now, no, I'll tell you one thing. I'll... I'll design a cup for you, a coffee cup, okay? All right, I'd love to and, see that. Okay, and I'll send you the design okay. of the coffee cup at present. Now, right, I'll, I'll 3D print it on that thing right there. Okay, <laughs> then you, you make that coffee cup and give somebody bulletproof coffee in that cup and then another cup, and we can do any biological assessment on the person. And you will see wonders from the biogeometry cup. I am really interested. Now, I want the person doing it to be blindfolded so they can't see which cup they're doing. And, and that would be that'd be really cool. I'm, I'm well, they wouldn't know which cup is which because, yeah. I mean, we won't give, a cup, uh, give you a cup that uh, looks weird. I mean, <laughs> no, we'll try to make something that is uh, as near to your normal cups as possible so that people wouldn't notice the difference, you know. That I would be very interested in. And that's the sort of thing that, that okay, one group of people listening to this in, in their cars right now is going to say, like, this is such witch doctory. They're going to pull out, you know, all the, the negative skeptic language. Oh, you know, this is a scam. It, it's fraud. It's quackery. 
uh, sorry guys, those are all just personal ad hominem attacks. Like either the science works or it doesn't work and you have no idea what Professor Graham's motives are. So you can question the motives like that, which means you're small minded, or you can say, I don't believe this can work because I don't understand a mechanism for it. At which point the scientist says, then show me proof that it works, good quality proof. But that's it. And if there is proof that it works, you got to say, why does this work? Because it shouldn't work. And it's kind of scary that it works because if it does, then it's a little bit meaningful to everything else we do. So, so let's, let's um, do the science experiment, in, or at least the thought experiment, and let's assume that this stuff totally works, and I don't know for sure if it does or doesn't. Like I, I haven't felt a difference from the pendant you sent me, but that doesn't mean it's not working. It just means that I didn't detect it. Well, you're uh, not wearing it all the time, you know. Uh, I did wear it um, for about, oh, two weeks, and I... And you didn't see a difference at all? I did not. And I charged it every night the way uh, the way you described on the little uh, the little plate thing. That still doesn't mean it doesn't do anything. Like there are lots Maybe of subtle something extra. Oh, something extra, you know. Yeah. And there are subtle energy it's things like like I, people about the thing you don't know, yeah. Yeah, and I've I've done lots of weird stuff that shouldn't work, like like electrically grounding yourself. The earthing sheets. I sleep with an earthing mat on my bed because it actually works, even though most people would say, "Are you kidding me?" Like, yeah, it, it makes a difference. And now we think we know why. Maybe we don't know why. But I can tell you that that works. But it didn't work the first night. It took a little while for me to figure out, like to feel the difference. So let's assume that uh, that there's a mechanism of action here um, and that we can theorize we know what it is. If I took you into the Bulletproof Coffee Shop in Santa Monica that I hope opens really soon now, as soon as our final government permit comes in, um, what are the likely things you would do when you walk in the door of a coffee shop? You see a big counter there and it's got all kinds of stuff in there. Like, like what, what is your thought process? Just like walk me through what you would do there. Because who knows, maybe, maybe we can have you in to Santa Monica if okay. you're right on this coast. I'll, no, I'll tell you what I'll do. First of all, I'd look at the design of the room. And maybe if I see some uh, edges or some things really disturbing the energy, I'd correct that. And then what I would do is place some decorative patterns in a certain way uh, that actually produce this harmonizing energy in there. And then actually I could design not just the cups, but I could design the chairs, I could design the tables, I could anything, you know, that needs design, I could design and to produce an energetic harmony in the space. And then I don't go by feeling, you know, like you say, uh, I wore this thing, I feel it that way, I feel it that way. No, we'll do tests to show the people We'll get some independent uh, thing. Just get a, a, an independent biofeedback institute, and uh, we let them do tests before and after, and then we'll know exactly uh, what Biojump is doing in the space. You know, that would be kind of interesting. We can because... even change the menu. Uh-huh. You know, we can change the menu. We can even do tweak even the logo. You know, in such a way that it would attract people. Without you noticing the difference, you wouldn't know because sometimes we tweak designs to many companies and they ask us always, you know, we have our logo or we have this thing for many years now. So can you do something to it without really changing it in an apparent way? Can you be so subtle that you don't change it? So a lot of our work is actually working in in a very subtle way that our client keeps the image, keeps the logo or whatever it is. And it looks the same, but the energetic effect is totally different. 
So that that sounds uh, that sounds interesting. Just because I'm I'm curious about that, and I've already done a lot to my, the environment. I have uh, lights that change their color with the time of day to be more tied in with the circadian rhythm. Uh, there's pulsed electromagnetic frequency devices embedded in the chairs. Um, that use uh, frequencies that stimulate healing. There's electrical uh, earthing surfaces uh, or grounding surfaces built in on the tables and the chairs. There's a, a zone in the store that's designed for that. So there's there's a lot of things that you probably wouldn't notice when you walk in. And the whole intent there is, uh, I feel good when I'm in here. Like the environment has been already tuned to a certain point. But if there's further things to do, I'm, I'm always interested in that, uh, especially if, if I can... I can get data that shows that they're they're doing something specific. So I'm I'm interested. If you're ever going to be on California and there's a chance for us to to meet up, I would love to to get your architecture and design uh, perspectives where on. Are you, where are you in California? Santa Monica. Yeah, because I uh, my son lives uh, in Orange County, and they come a lot to visit my uh, grandchildren. When, when you're out there sometime, we'll arrange it. I, I live on Vancouver oh, Island, yeah, so I'll give you a call when I'm. Next yeah, time. that'd be fun. I, I'm so I have to come down from Canada as well. But if it worked out, it'd be it'd be really fun just to, to get your perspective on that and to compare it with what say a feng shui master would would say about the space, because you know there's different perspectives on this. And I have lots of biofeedback equipment, and this is the sort of things where, where this is I would say at the at the cutting edge of what's of what's happening. So I don't claim that I understand. Uh, or believe that this works or doesn't work. I'm, I'm an open-minded inquiry stage kind of person right now on this stuff. Um, I had a hard time deciphering the book. Um, that doesn't mean that it's not accurate. It doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means that when I looked at it, I thought, wow, this is going to take a whole lot of study, uh, and it's probably going to twist my brain in some odd ways that I'm not going to dig into um, with, with full intent right now well, just because of what's going on. When you do a science today, like Feng Shui was done 2,000 years ago, you need to do it differently. You need to be more scientific. Yeah. And then you need to address the problems of modern technology. Now, Agreed. Feng Shui, us too, their time, had no electricity, had no uh, 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 radioactivity, they had no chemical pollution, you know, all those things didn't exist. So they didn't address them. So today, when you make a new science today, like by geometry, you have to address all the problems that modern technology is creating in our lives. You, you know, we, I say always that uh, in the age of information, in all this electromagnetic radiation we have, there's a hidden time bomb, you know. We could be one of the greatest ages uh, uh, on Earth, but we have a time bomb hidden in there that could end life on Earth. So if we don't have new sciences that change that, we're ending our civilization very soon. There's definitely uh, something making people weaker on a multi-generation perspective. And technology has brought a lot of wonderful stuff with it. And I'm not opposed to it. But if it is causing harm, we should identify that. And then we should counter it using other kinds of technology. And I appreciate that perspective. And we're, we're coming up on the end of the show. And there's a question that I've asked uh, everyone who's ever been a guest on the show uh, except that one guy in episode 70, something or another. And the question is, given all the stuff you've learned, not just as a professor, but but in your life, what are your top three recommendations for people who, who want to perform better at whatever it is they do? So you're a parent, you want to be a better parent. You're a professor, you want to be a better professor. So what makes people better? Top three most important things they should know about. Well, the most important thing uh, is 
my personal definition of freedom. You know, I define freedom not as having your ideas and being given the opportunity to express them freely. Then you are a prisoner of your point of view, prisoner of your ideas. So to me, freedom is the ability to get out of the prison of your point of view and move around all, everything that exists. That way, you'll see all the other aspects of life, and then you can balance between them, and then you gain a new wisdom towards life. And that's one of the most important things that you can do, is move out of your point of view. Embrace okay. everything else. That's one of the most important things. The second thing is, like the ancient Egyptians uh, had the judges, the 42 judges, and when, when you died, you went and each one asked you a question. Now, one of the questions was, did you give your body in its older age what it gave you when you were young? So when you were a kid who didn't understand a lot, you used to do a lot of mistakes and your body supported, see, and was there behind you, helping you. Now, at old age, are you doing the same for the health of your body? Are you paying back what it did to you all your life? See, that's a very important thing that you owe to your body. So this is the thing I think that, that's very important that we owe uh, to our body. Another thing is, we are uh, living in the environment, see? And if, if you look at the environment around you, you will find shapes, okay? You will find shapes that the divine hand, imagine a divine hand holding a divine pen and drawing all those shapes in nature, the trees, the mountains, everything, all those shapes that are drawn, okay? It's a divine pen writing. Who of us can read that, that language? We only speak to each other as human beings, but we live in nature and we don't speak its language. So we should look at the writing, at the divine writing, and try to read it with our hearts. If you do that, then I'm sure that the earth will be a much happier place. Awesome. Thank you for, for sharing those. And, and that, that connection to nature part is, is just terribly important. Uh, I'm always I'm always thinking about if you go look at, say, Half Dome in Yosemite, like it's got a specific shape and, and people respond to that. That's why it's such there's so many famous pictures of it and all just because there's something to it. And you don't necessarily know exactly what it is, but it's something you can feel. And that's that's really cool. Where can people find out more about biogeometry? Well, we have our website www.biogeometry.com that's the main place to go to find more about biogeometry and then you can go on YouTube and uh, write uh, biogeometry, search for biogeometry and you'll find lots of uh, uh, seminars, TV programs uh, in several languages you might find things in German, French, Arabic uh, or English so everybody can find something to his taste in there Great Thank you so much for being on Bulletproof Radio. 
And I look forward to potentially meeting sometime in uh, Southern California and seeing uh, what uh, design and architecture ideas uh, you've got. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Have an awesome day. Well, thank you and same to you, Dave. And uh, see you soon when I'm down there. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bulletproof Radio, you know what to do. Go into iTunes, click like, and while you're at it, tell a friend. I'd sure appreciate it. And after that, you can check out more about biogeometry. Head on over to moldymovie.com and check out the screening of the new documentary. It's already getting rave reviews, and I really appreciate if you uh, just do me the favor, watch it, because it'll change your life. Thanks, and have an awesome day. Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.